friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I gave the double guns to Canada. Hey! <laughs> How you doing? McCallum and Mickey, Tim and friends for this November. Se- I apologize for the double guns. I don't know what I was doing. I was walking to the chair. That. The camera got on me. I either do that or say hi, Mom. So, hi, Mom. Uh, do me a favor. It's not going to be like this the entire time. Stick around for the next 90, and in return, in return, the kind of sports entertainment you can only get right here on Tim and Friends. That's right. We will get you set for a busy night in the NHL. 13 games in the show, including a combustible pair of affairs. The Flames and Lightning, see what I did there, as well as the Leafs and the Red Hot New Jersey Devils tried to continue it there. Combustible Red Hot Devils. I'm not sure that one was any good. Either way, Jersey. I thought it was good. Red Hot Mickey. That's right. If you haven't been paying attention at home, Putty's favorite team. Devils have won 10 straight games, the longest run in the league this season, third longest run in franchise history, and at one time, kids, they were good. Some guy named Marty Brodeur, Scott Stevens, anyways. Who? Uh, they're, yeah, they're almost as much fun to watch as Seinfeld, unless, of course, your team is playing them, because they have destroyed Canadian clubs. A perfect 6-0 and so far against Canadian teams looking wow. to make it a lucky number seven tonight on Sportsnet Ontario. Anthony Stewart dropping by to discuss the Leafs and the Devils. We're the Devils! The Devils! <laughs> the Lightning and the Flames and a devilish hit by Alex Edler oh. on Connor McDavid. Yep, Edler did it again. He did it again. Oh, but it's not just hockey. Chuck in a gutsy Raptors win over the Heat. Shea Gilgis Alexander, another chef's kiss last night that has folks south of the border jaw dropped could Shea Shea Gilgis Alexander be the next NBA superstar we will discuss in first things first we will also get to the keys to the 109th edition of the Grey Cup Justin Dunk will drop by and speaking of slivers of Canadiana former Canadian keeper Craig Forrest is dropping by the studio to discuss Canada's final tune-up for the World Cup. I still can't believe I am saying it. Canada, World Cup. But first, first things first, and some highlights from that final tune-up before Canada kicks off with Belgium on Wednesday. It's Canada-Japan from Dubai earlier this morning. Some notes for you to start on this one. Canada's starting 11, stack full of the names that will start against Belgium in Wednesday's World Cup opener. Kamal Miller back in after a scare against Bahrain. Tiba Hutchison back on the field after missing most of his season with Besiktas in Turkey because of a bone bruise. But, big but here. No Alfonso Davies, who's facing a race against time to be ready for that Belgium match. He has a hamstring injury that he suffered with Bayern Music. Also, or Bayern Munich. Bayern Music would be amazing. <laughs> that's a say, band name. I was going to say, that's something at Oktoberfest. I got to check out. <laughs> yeah, Bayern Music. Yeah. Uh, also, absent Steven Eustachio, who picked up a knock in training. So, Canada taking no chances before their final tune up. 
as they take on Japan, ranked 24th in the world, just nine minutes in for Canada and already under some pressure. Now, this happened against Uruguay in September where they gave up an early goal. This is Yuki Soma, leaping volley, will tuck it past Milan Borian, and just like that, Japan up 1-0, but Canada would regroup. 21st minute, they're a dangerous offset pieces all day. It's Atiba Hutchison who redirects Stephen Vittoria to elder statesmen combined and Canada level at one. 89th minute, Miki Yamane off the post and square shortly after stoppage time. Richie Larea in the box, hauled down. You know what that means? Penalty! Lucas Cavallini. He'll take it. Lucas Cavallini! Cavallini almost too cheeky there. The bench knows it as they celebrate a 2-1 victory in their final tune-up. After the match, John Herdman gave updates on the statuses of Alfonso Davies and Steven Estacchio. Look, it's just precautionary at this stage with Stefan. You know, he felt something coming in. He was a little bit heavy. He's been uh, pretty well used in a lot of games. So for us, he's a key player, and we just got to make sure his health is the main priority. And, you know, Fonzie's en route now to join us, and we'll assess him as soon as he arrives just to see if we can get him to hit his top speeds. And, you know, progressively, we'll, we'll just see how that one goes. I mean, tonight we showed we have got the, the spirit, the collectiveness to, to have a next man up, but we also know that there's only one Alfonso Davies in there. Uh, you know, we're really keen to get him back. Yes, mm. that makes a lot of sense. I would yeah. also want him back. Tim, what does this final tune-up tell us for the Canadian squad? Uh, don't concede the first goal within the first 10 minutes of the game. Smart. <laughs> and I Big think Canada stuff. can hang. Now, like, that's twice, and I mentioned it earlier against upper echelon competition. Canada's conceded in the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, they did it today. They did it against Uruguay in September. They cannot do that against Belgium or Croatia. It will not end well. Beyond that, just as Canada did against Uruguay, their talent began to rise to the top. And there were times again in this game, as they did against Uruguay, where they dominated play. Like, that is a wonderful sign. But here's my worry. By the end of CONCACAF qualifying, our Canadian kids had this swagger. Like, it was obvious, even to the neutral, even to the average Canadian sports fan, not football fan, but average Canadian sports fan, that there was a confidence carrying this Canadian club. It took a while to get going, but by game seven or eight, we started to understand that there was something really special brewing with this Canadian team. By game seven or eight, World Cup's over. Yeah. Right? Like, there is no easing into this competition. That is the World Cup's beauty and its curse. We have seen wonderful teams full of talent not get off on the right foot and get buried because of it. Canada needs to hit the pitch flying. And I hope these early goals against Uruguay and Japan are the kind of lessons that you need heading into a World Cup. Let's just hope Canada has learned the lesson because do that against Belgium, jam done. Do that against Croatia, it'll be a lot tougher to pull back against a kind of sort of B squad for Japan, who is 
a, a legitimate yeah, it's a good squad. squad that has an opportunity in a tough group to get through. So Davies on his way to join the squad. That's what Herdman mentioned after the match. Yeah. And Steven Eustachio also supposed to join the squad. How concerned, though, are you with the health of those two? Yeah, with all due respect to Jonathan David, uh, Tejan Buchanan, Jonathan Osorio and company, those probably the two most important players in the team. Everyone knows Alfonso Davies is the most important player that dude. on the pitch for Canada. In fact, ESPN uh, ranked all of the players in the World Cup. They had your boy Alfonso Davies 26th on the list. Am I wrong? Was he the, like, the only Canadian player? He on was the list? only Canadian player on the top 50. Uh, Jonathan David somewhere is saying, Aigna. Uh, but <laughs> Steven Estacchio is the type of player that you... Listen, he has been on form. He has been unbelievable in Champs League uh, with Porto. He has been on a steady rise to a level where you might start including him in lists like that. Um, I know Jonathan David is already probably there. But in a tournament like this, you need that man, that maestro in the midfield, and Steven Estacchio is that. If he is not 100% or, God forbid, not able to go in this tournament for the first two games, that is an absolutely massive. Everyone knows if Alfonso Davies doesn't play, this is a different squad. Mm. If Steven Estacchio doesn't play, this is also a different squad. And I think that people really need to take that in because he has been... Not only unbelievable for Canada, but now in Europe, he is turning into that dude as well. And, I mean, he just started with Porto, and he's already a big piece of that team. And he's scoring goals left, right, and center when originally he was just a midfielder distributing. He was almost like a classic 10. Uh, Now he's an even more classic 10. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously asterisks everywhere. Should Canada be healthy, though? including Davies Eustachio, mm-hmm. there are some people who think that this team can do something. And you know who thinks that is actually former Arsenal player Ian Wright. Yes, Ian Wright on his podcast. Picked this up earlier. Uh, shout out Taboo who sent it to me. Here's Ian Wright on his podcast. He's asked for a hot take, and he gave us one. I ask for your bad take. and mm-hmm. I don't want – the aim is not to be correct. This is just pure vibes, right? <laughs> Canada to make it out their group and Croatia to go out. <laughs> you want to give them some horns there? Oh, how about that? Uh, how about this? There go. Yeah, either yeah. or both either work. Or both just work. throwing yeah. it out there. Yeah. Although, uh, let's not write off Morocco just yet. A lot of people were wondering what the third team in this group would be. And hopefully Canada has a point or many going into that Moroccan game. They took on Georgia today. This is Hakim Ziyech. And this is a goal from his own side of half. half. And a ridiculous goal from his own side of half. So, listen, this was one of the pieces that was going to make Morocco beatable. He had a little bit of a tiff with the previous manager and wasn't going to play for Morocco. Morocco said, you know what, this is probably our best player. Why don't we get rid of the manager (laughs) and see if we can get him back? They did get him back, and that's a goal. They won 3-0 against Georgia. So there is no... There are some people who believe that this could be the group of death. Uh, I know there's arguments to be had for others, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be easy in any way, shape, or form. But right foot, final tune-up, 2-1 final. Craig Forrest later will see if he agrees or disagrees with anything that I just said. Note to Emilian Borian, 
when Ziyech has the ball. Just maybe. Yeah, no, just don't get be, caught off be, your line. Yeah, yeah, be aware. Okay, from <laughs> the Canadian national team to Canada's team, that is in basketball, and the shorthanded Toronto Raptors, they came up with an impressive win over Kyle Lowry and the Heats last night. OGN Nobi, season-high 32 to go with 10 boards. Fred Van Vliet, maybe not feeling his best, still poured in 23 points eight times in his return to the lineup. Meanwhile, Timmy was talking about it. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, what's a start to the season? Last night, career high, 42 points, including a game-winning three with one second left. Two to tie, three to take the lead. Shea checks, steps back, three-point shot on the way. He's good with 1.1 seconds left. Career high, 42 points for SGA. Timmy, for the casual fan, can you put what Shea is doing in the context? Oh, I, I love the way you put that because sometimes we dig a little too deep. We get a little too inside baseball or inside basketball, if you will. We work at a sports network. So uh, yeah. Let, me, yeah, let me put it this way. I watched Steve Nash win back-to-back MVPs in this league, and I don't think I've ever seen a Canadian play as well as Shea Gilgis-Alexander is playing right now. Like, let me quantify or attempt to quantify so that it's not just hot-takey, what I just said. Last night, Steph had 50, and SGA stole the show. He is undoubtedly the talk of the NBA right now, and it's not just because he's averaging... 32.3 points per game. It's because he's doing it on 54% shooting from the field, 40 from three, and 90 from the free throw line, all while playing stellar defense. Like, last night, it was not only his third straight game of 35 or more with five assists. He joins just Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook as the only dudes to do that in franchise history. He's just the fourth player since the NBA-ABA merger and the first since a guy named Michael Jordan in 88-89 to average 32 on 54% or better through 14 games of the season. You know what that means? Tell me. That means that Jordan played eight more pretty good seasons with the Bulls after 88-89. Which is a pretty good team. And never did it again. Wow. In fact, SGA has 10 games of 30 points or more on 50% shooting in the 14 that he's played thus far. He is just the second player in NBA history to do that. The other dude, not Jordan, not Bird, not Magic, not LeBron, not KD, just Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Wilt bleeping Chamberlain. It's wild. That's it, Shea And Wilt. Now, there are folks calling these empty calories, and the ones that are just aren't watching. Not last night, not lately. The Thunder, wildly expected to be among the worst teams in the league, have now won three of four to sit, tied for the final play-in spot, one game up on Steph and the Warriors. I'm not saying they're going to finish there. I know it's only 14 games in. But if the OKC Thunder are anywhere near a playoff spot at the end of the season, never mind in the playoffs, not only will Shea get MVP votes, he might damn well win MVP. Which brings us to this board that you're seeing on the screen right now. I wanted to mention this. Most 30-point games in in this season in the NBA. Luka has 11, and then Shea and Steph both have 10, tied for second. Again, pretty good company. So is... 
is Shea being undervalued in the MVP conversation? When it comes to... Odds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we looked at Per, right? Yes. Player yeah, efficiency yeah. rating. Yep. He's top five player efficiency rating. He's not even close to the top five when it comes to... And it depends where you get your odds. Right now on Bet Rivers, I mean, plus 10,000. That's a... You're getting some good value on Shea Gilgis Alexander. I don't, I don't think he's going to win MVP. I'm just saying, if they end up in the postseason... He's ahead of a lot of the names yeah. on that list for MVP. What I'm saying is it's good. In fact, on the road last night, they were chanting those three letters that we often hear probably way too much in the NBA. <laughs> but on the road, he was hearing those three letters, oh, MVP. I don't know if they're OKC fans, Canadians, but that was on the road. That's still, it's very Something. humbling for Something. the young man, I can imagine. It's very cool for the young man, let's just say that. Um, not sure that there was an MVP caliber performance last night from the Raptors, but there was some impressive performances. Uh, who was the most impressive for yeah. you last OG's night? OG's season high was great. Um, I'm not sure um, I have a bigger professional crush <laughs> than I do for Fred Van Vliet right now. What Fred Van Vliet does is almost unquantifiable. Like, he is the epitome of a maestro on the court. He is exactly what you want in your point guard and your leader. And I thought our point guard, Alvin Williams, uh, encapsulated all of that and kind of gave us a a glimpse into the brilliance that is Fred Van Vliet. During the 21-0 run in the third quarter, Freddie was unbelievable. And, And the key here is, first play, Alvin calls it, dissects it really well. Second play, it doesn't develop the way he wants to, so Freddie just pulls up and hits one in your eye. Watch this. I'm old school. I'm going right back to OG. Little pin down action. You see it. Yeah. Another opportunity right here. Back at the rim. Alvin called it. Fred Van Vliet set that up. He read the whole play, slowed it down, and designed that whole play for OG. Let's see what he does this time. Might do the same thing on the other side. Going to go get him again. Double screen down for him now. Kane on him. Screen set. Will stagger. Van Vliet. 21-0 run. So there you go. Pretty impressive from Alvin Williams calling that. A memorable call from Williams, who actually had a second memorable call. Sorry, what? Yeah. Sends it over to Alvin. I got it. There you go. Good catch. Good catch. Two hands, Al. My other hand was doing something else. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's rubbing my knee, man. My knee hurts down here. (laughs) My knee hurts. <laughs> He's got bad knees. What do you yeah. want from the yeah. guy? He I played mean, played a decade in the NBA. Yeah, he's you know the weather probably knew the weather was bad, so his yeah. knees acting up. Yeah. Yeah, happens, happens to all of us. Hey, you know, uh, speaking of knees, let's go over to hockey. The oh Senators. My God. They snapped their five-game home losing skid with a four-one win over the Buffalo Sabers last night. That's the sending Buffalo's losing skid to seven games. No, this is a different kind of. Knee. Here yeah. it is. Meanwhile, Edmonton, they dropped a 3-1 decision to the Kings. But much of the talk after the game surrounded Alex this Edler's knee on knee hits on yeah. Connor McDavid. Edler, he got two for kneeing 
on the play. He's not expected to face any supplemental discipline. Timmy, dirty play? Yes, and you know that. You're just setting me up, and I appreciate it. Absolutely. And it's not the first time. When you piss off Connor McDavid where he takes a cross-checking penalty later in the game Mm -hmm. for doing the exact same thing that you've done to, I don't know, another guy on the ice? Like, Edler got Hyman, and we had this whole breakdown of what was, you know, the code and how we do the code. And it's because... He's already done this, and Hyman missed significant time. And that's not the only time. He was suspended four games by international hockey for a knee-on-knee hit on Eric Stahl in 2013 World Cup. He's been suspended two other times, both in 2013. Three for a hit to the head on Thomas Hurdle. Two games for charging Mike Smith. He does this. That's what he does. And I remember back to the conversation when he did it to Zach Hyman and he was forced to pay the piper. And a lot of people were upset that Wayne Simmons enacted the code and pounded the bleep out of Edler, who, by the way, accepted his penance at the time. I, the, like, in the end, Kevin, and maybe you okay. can weigh in on this, yeah. does this need to happen again to this guy or does it prove that the code does absolutely nothing because he just did it to the best player on planet Earth. He keeps going back to the well, so I feel like he's going to do it again. Yeah, I mean, who else does he have to do it to to say that he won't do it again? He just did it to the best player in the world, like you mentioned. And he took a lick from Wayne Simmons there, and he didn't care. He's still going to go do it again. He's still going to keep playing his game. I think that's the answer for him. Why did you do it again? I'm still going to play my game. That's all he's going to say at that point. Well, but kneeing is his game? He's... His game involves playing around the edges, I'd say. Mark Spector tweeted out last night, obviously Oilers reporter for us. He said, it's sad. A guy throws a knee at the opponent's best player. Even Then the linesman jump in to protect him, and the ref evens it up with a teammate who comes to his captain's defense. I don't even recognize this game anymore. Yeah, that, that's my beef here is that the, the penance served by Alex Edler for what everyone knows is a dangerous hit that draws a crowd is the exact same penance for puck over glass. So what do we need to do here to him? You need to suspend him. You need to, there needs to be harsher penalty. You need to say you can't do this anymore, man. Listen, if the NHL is not going to suspend him, you know what's going to happen the next game. The code. The, the code. code pops up. So That's if right. you don't want to police your own game, the players will do the it for you. The players are going to do it for you. Yeah. There's 13 games on the NHL schedule this evening, including the Toronto Maple Leafs hosting the Streaking Devils. That was my buddy. It was all right. Uh, They're looking for their 11th straight win. Matt Murray's going to get the start in goal for Toronto. He made 35 saves in his return to the lineup Tuesday in Pittsburgh. Timmy's just a measuring stick game for the Leafs. I know a lot of people are talking about it that way. For, for both teams, I just think this is a good game. Like, a game that people should enjoy. There is going to be a ton of speed and skill on the ice. Ten-game run for the Devils. Ten-game point streak for Mitch Marner. And the Leafs turn to Matt Murray in an attempt to slow the hottest team in the league. And that, to me, is just fun. to Forget the measuring sticks. Forget what it means in, you know, 70 or so games. You and I were just talking about the Leafs' defense yesterday and their goaltending and how Toronto has done a pretty good job limiting their opponent's shots on goal. In fact, the Leafs have allowed less than 30 shots on goal in four of their last five. This is a great matchup. It's going to be fun to watch the yin and the yang of all this because the Devils have not only the best shot differential in the league, at this point in the season, they have the best ever. That's right. They have more shots ever. Yeah, they've taken just under 13 more shots than they allow 
per game. If they keep it up, it will be the best differential in NHL history. And if you wonder what the hell that means, well, how about this? Three of the four teams on that list played in the Stanley Cup final that season. Wow. So it's safe to say a pretty good gauge of just how good a team is, at least in my mind. Devils and the Leafs, it's going to be fun. Anthony Stewart is stopping by. It's on Sportsnet Ontario regionally. And guess what? We'll talk about it. Justin Dunk also joining us from Regina as we get closer to the Great Cup. And after the break, an old friend, Craig Forrest, drops by in studio. His thoughts on Canada, Japan, and the World Cup. It's all coming up on Tim and Friends. David cuts around Anderson. Golan, and then he got drilled. Now Darnell Nurse wants a piece of Alex Edler and goes right after. It's always dangerous when you come knee to knee. He did that hit to me a couple years ago. Extremely dangerous play. I'm glad Connor's okay. 6.1 remaining here in the fourth. Shea Gildress Alexander. His step back three. Oh, he hits! Shea Gildress Alexander with 1.1 remaining. Career high 42 points for SGA. We're on a nine-game heater. I'd say we're doing okay. Jack Hughes scores again! The Devils extend this win streak to ten. It's a ride no one wants to get off, and it's a ride that will stretch to Thursday in Toronto. All right, kids, in case you missed an impressive display by Canada on the pitch today, 2-1 win over Japan, also going to the World Cup. Ranked 24th in the world, Canada conceded early, but Stephen Vittoria responded off a set piece before Richie Larea drew a penalty late. Lucas Cavallini going, Paneka, after this drawn penalty. I think Craig Forrest would have had that. No, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> you'll understand the reference in a second. Alfonso Davies, Stephen Estacchio did not play at team, but Hutchinson did as Canada finishes up their pre-World Cup schedule with a solid display. I still can't believe that I am saying this. Canada's first game of the World Cup less than a week away. Final tune-up against Japan today in Dubai. The journey to this point has been magical for the hardcore football fans in this country. Now the bandwagon gathers steam for the biggest sporting event in the world. Here to discuss it is a man who would have had that Panenka, part of Sports Illustrated's Top 50 in CONCACAF, players of all time, co-host Footy Prime Podcast, and friend Craig Forrest. What's going on? Oh, it's just so exciting to be so close to the World Cup and obviously talking to you. This is Uh, fantastic. Great to see everybody. Everybody behind the cameras and everything. Yeah. Good to have you back in here. Yeah. Like, can you believe that we are less than a week away? Like, producer Thomas Dobby and I were talking about it. Our whole meeting was ta- like, we're closest to what a lot of people think might not have come during our lifetime. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. It's 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 been a long journey, you know. I mean, we we a lot of people think it's happened very quickly, but it's been over a period of time. I mean, even Victor Montagliani, who was part of the CSA before, you know, there were some changes made and uh, a lot of positive moves. Now, John Herdman not only is a genius of a coach, and and I mean this in in every sense of the word, because. I saw him for 10 years with the women's program. We covered those women games all the time. And, oh, this is, well, not my best moment here, but, you know. And, Shows uh, the emotion that some feel. <laughs> yeah, right. I understood. And I've lost a lot of hair since there, so. <laughs> As of you, Tim. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I lost a lot of hair at about 24. Yeah, see? Yeah. That's easy, though. Yeah, once you get over it, you're, you're fine. I'm still having a hard time with it, but yeah. nevertheless. You're yeah. good. You look yeah. good. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Not like the uh, playing days, but. Yeah, it's exciting. It's it's amazing. It's an opportunity for these guys, and and you have to say too that no matter what happens, because this is a big step up for yeah. this team. You yeah. know, there's a lot of guys 
on there. There's we have the, you know, the top end, uh, the final third that's unbelievably talented. Mm -hmm. And then the back line, there's clearly some, there's some flaws there, some weaknesses there that teams like Belgium and Morocco and Croatia are going to expose. I mean, they're going to be playing against two of the very best midfielders of all time, with Kevin De Bruyne and, and Modric, right? Yeah. So uh, Tilleman is another one in midfield there. So they're, they're, they're a stacked team no matter what, Belgium. And it's a big, it's a big, big test for them. But it, they're capable, you know. And I think that in the past years, if we had made it, it would be like, I don't think we're capable even right. when we went to the Confederation Cup in 2001, right. you know, playing against all the Confederation winners, it, it, we were capable to a point, but we, we couldn't score goals. Right. And we didn't score a goal in that tournament either. Yeah, there was always like, a, there, I don't want to call it hoof and hope, but there was a lot of hoof and hope into the game when you were up against the best. And, and what I saw against Uruguay, and listen, I'm, I'm right there with you on the conceding goals, especially early. You do that against... Belgium, you're done. You do that against Croatia, you're done. Yeah. You do it against Morocco, yeah. you're done. However, after the two goals against Uruguay and today against Japan, Canada carried the play with their skill. And I don't know when against sides like Uruguay and Japan we could ever have said that. No, that's true. Uh, we create chances, yeah. really good chances. Set pieces are an important part. And obviously against the Japanese, there's a clear weakness there in that team. Mm -hmm. Every one of the Canadian teams were... Uh, we're taller, uh, more physical, but from a passing standpoint, technical standpoint, the Japanese are fantastic, and they, they've never really changed their style. I've played against them again, you know, in 2001. Again, you know, we had all sorts of chances, but um, that's a, it's a it's a good it's a good positive result, even though they had some opportunities then to to, to take the lead themselves. Japan had hit the post, uh, so it's just from a, I think it served its purpose. Right. I think it played. Junior Hoyle into the team guaranteed. Okay, let's talk about that because you've opened the door here. And obviously, Alfonso Davies being in this lineup is paramount to anything that happens for Canada. Yeah. The, the Stacchio injury scares the bleep out of me because I don't know really what it is. And he has mm -hmm. been very important in the midfield. If either of those two guys can't go, did Junior Hoyle just play himself into this 11? And even if they can go, did he just play himself in the I think he did. I think he did. I think that his delivery was today was like just top drawer. And he's in great physical shape. Like he's probably the best of his career. He's getting, you get to that age, you know, where you can see the, the finish line and it's like, it's kind of scary. So you start actually working harder on your fitness. And when you're younger, <laughs> right. you, you just go out there and boot balls around, never get injured and all that. But yeah, he's, he's in good nick. He's really looked after himself. I would think that uh, Estaki was a massive one. I, I hope he's going to be okay. It seems like he is, but there, you can never know what's going on inside the camp as much. But yeah, he's and he's on fire at Porto, you know, yeah. Champions League guys, and you know, and John, you know, he he changes things on the fly. Herman too, you know, he's a he's a fantastic uh, motivator, as everybody knows, um, and he motivated not only the team but you know people around and and people that actually gave private money to help them uh, uh, do this qualification. Right, they didn't have any money, okay. but they have a staff of thousands on the bench. Yeah, if people don't understand how small some of these national federations are, were, continue to be, yeah. uh, even when we're talking about the CFL, how many people work in the actual office, and sometimes that growth. I don't want to walk down that road because we'll, there'll be a huge, yeah. <laughs> we, we might have plenty yeah. of time to do it a we're, little bit we're later poor on. As a, as a soccer as a soccer country, nation. we don't have enough money to get our players prepared for U17, women and men. Uh, under 20s, women and men. We don't. We don't even qualify those very often. We're recycling tracksuits, Craig. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody yeah. considers us a number one nation, and not even Nike themselves, right? Right. So, so, so let's let's walk down the road of 
when they get to this tournament? Because I think right now there's so much anticipation brewing. You mentioned Estacchio, and I said earlier in the show, with all due respect to Jonathan David, who I know is ready for a big-time move, probably to the Premier League, probably mm. in the January window, depending on what he does in this World mm. Cup, that Steven Estacchio might be the second most important player on this team. And I don't know if all of Canada understands that. Yeah, Would no, you agree with me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you've been watching him in Europe, he's, he's not out of place. I mean, that's a Champions League those guys are in, too. So, uh, Club Rouge uh, as well with uh, Tejon Buchanan yeah. and uh, Laren. Uh, Laren may be, you know, given up for, you know, be David and, and Alfonso up top. Uh, Jonathan David is, you're, you're right, he's going to get a big-time move. He's yeah. going to get that chance somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, you look at him and he's a Tier 1 player. I mean, his movement, his, his, his ability to turn on the ball, uh, get away from people, draw attention, create his own chances. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, they can score goals, uh, and they're going to give up a lot of chances, but they just don't give up. They're going to think they're going to win the World Cup. That's what John Herdman's belief in this team is. Like, right. It's, a little swagger. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Good. So a team against... You think of a guy, Alfonso and Jonathan David. Yeah. These guys aren't used to losing. No. Not on the national team? No. Or at club level? No. I mean, what's Alfonso? I don't even know if he was. He lost three games in his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bayern Munich, it's tough to lose a few. So, so a team is back in today, plays 60 minutes. Uh, good to see after his injury. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were talking, I showed on the podcast about that, and it was like, guys, like, he's 39 years of age. He hardly has played any minutes. He's come off this bone bruise. For, he hasn't been able to train for months. He's played, I don't know, what, 90 minutes in total over the last two games, something like that. Anyway, yeah. And he comes off, he's not even sweating. <laughs> you know, he was a little rusty. Let's get, it, yeah. I mean, you can't expect him not to be. But his presence is amazing. Yeah, but it's obviously, he's, he's 39. His pace isn't great. Um, but his reading of the game has always been amazing because he's never really had blistering pace. Right. Um, Tiba's 39, and once he steps onto the pitch at the World Cup, we did a little dig in here. He'll be the second oldest non-keeper to play at a World Cup behind only Roger Miller, the legendary Cameroonian striker Roger Miller, and could hit the century in caps in Qatar. I've been saying for years that I think this might be the most underrated athlete mm. in Canada. Like, What's your take on the warrior that is Atiba being yeah. able to, after some injuries, get in a good enough shape that he could hit the pitch at a World Cup. Yeah. Well, he has been underrated. I mean, as far as the, uh, he's been involved, what, for 18 years on the national team? Something crazy. 20 years with underage uh, teams as well. He's not the one that wants the attention, never is attracted to it, never wants to be that guy. He lets everybody else do the talking for him. Um, great leader in the dressing room, just a super guy. Uh, but there was years, you know, three, four, five years even ago, um, he would have been very interested in coming back as a designated player. Right. Nobody knew him. So from a, a selling point of view, right. he had no bang for the buck, right? right. But walk through Turkey with him. Right. He's no a way. legend. Legend. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I want you to, before I, before I let you go, I want you to access your fandom. Like, your, your, your childhood dreams of, of playing in a World Cup. As fans are about to walk this, maybe for the first time in their life, Mm. because they're under the age of 36 and their home country is going. What's the thing that you want fans to appreciate from what is the world's greatest tournament? 
Well, from a Canadian standpoint, like is just like that. Just enjoy it as it is. Uh, we have a chance, like I said, and we also have a chance to get beaten three games in a row and not score a goal. That that that's a possibility too. Right. There's a whole bunch going on there. Um, but if you watch Leeds United in the Premier League at all, especially recently, I think that's who we are. I think we're we're. We're gonna, we might lose 4-3, we might win 4-3. Right. It's going to be really, really fun, and they won't give up. So uh, that's, that's what I, I really hope people will see, is just the guts and spirit and the, the multiculturalism of the team. I mean, there's just about everybody on the team has at least one parent born outside the country. Right. I mean, it is Canada, right? So I love it, absolutely love it. It's, um, it's great. It's, it's almost the world, I said it in the first block, the beauty and the curse of the World Cup is if you blink, it's gone. Yeah. Right? Like, so you're on edge from the first kick of the first game till whenever you're knocked out of that tournament. Yeah. Every inch counts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what I don't know if Canadians who haven't appreciated football their whole life understand what they're getting into here mm, because yeah. that's what it becomes, right? Well, that's right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, the magnitude of it, too. I don't yeah. know if Canadians realize that. You know, I mean, we know hockey's popular here, but yeah. it's when you're talking about every, every corner of the planet. It's talking about Ronaldo's this. got, what, 700 million social media followers. I mean, that's <laughs> one in, what, every 20 people on the planet? Like, come on. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we got guys like that coming in uh, now from Canada. Appreciate you doing this. Appreciate you stopping by. I know you're going to be part of our coverage for the World Cup, so we'll see this young man around here a little bit more. Looking good, by the way. Thank you. Maybe I'm a little bit partial, though. On the other side, more Canadiana as we head west. Catch up with Justin Dunk in Regina ahead of Sunday's Grey Cup. That's right. Can the Argos dethrone the favored Bombers? We will discuss with Dunk next right here on Tim Press. Jacked for the World Cup, jacked for the Grey Cup. Just over 72 hours away from Regina and our nation's national championship. Let's take a look at the odds. Powered by Bet Rivers. Bombers started as a four-point favorite, but it is up to five and a half. As Zach Calaro says, he is all systems go, despite not practicing today again. The total sits at 48. And right now, according to the Weather Network, it says it's minus 15 in Regina. Feels like minus 26. Why don't I just ask Justin Dunk, who joins us now from Regina, saws toque, saws gloves. (laughs) Does it feel like minus 26, Dunk? Not at all, bro. We're Canadian, aren't we? We can deal with this cold. Your nose is rather red right now. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Uh, All right, so let's talk about Kolaros. It looks like he is ready to go. It looks like the MOP is good to go for the Bombers. You saw the movement in the line. Uh, Is it because he can make that much of a difference for this team? He definitely can. I've been right beside him as he walked off the airplane earlier in the week and then today at media day. That ankle honestly looks fine. I think they're just being precautionary in terms of keeping him off that slippery surface. And one of the main reasons is because of his ability to extend plays outside the pocket. They want to make sure that ankle is as close to 100% as possible because that's a focal point for the Toronto Argos on defense. They know as a defense and a team overall, that when Caleros gets outside of the pocket, escapes, eludes defenders, and is able to make big chunk passing yard gains, 
down the field. He's done it time and time again. I think that could have a major impact on the game. And I also think Caleros' status has had an impact on the betting line and where all the money is going, especially for the public. Yeah, without a doubt. But the, 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 he's not going to be 100%. Justin, and you know from playing the spot to get to the outside uh, against the best competition, you have to be 100%. Do you, do you, obviously, getting to the, we just saw a video of, of him trying to get to the outside and getting to the edges and throwing on the run. You, you don't think he'll be hampered in any way, shape, or form? Maybe a little bit, but if he is feeling that that ankle is going to be an issue, then honestly, there's going to be a shot in there. It'll be frozen, and he won't feel it for the game. He's a warrior. This dude has battled through a lot of other things in his career. Yeah. So I don't think it will affect his ability to escape the pocket because he won't put himself in harm's way. If he doesn't feel like he can go, like we saw last week in the West Final, he'll be on the sidelines. But I fully expect him to be all systems go in and outside the pocket. Yeah, so the Bombers get their guy back. The Argos don't get one of their best defenders back. Winton, in fact, their best. He was nominated for the uh, best defensive player uh, out of the East for the Argos. Winton McManus not going in this one. But Andrew Harris is. And it's a guy who knows not only Winnipeg well, but also the Grey Cup pretty well, doesn't he, Justin? Oh, he does. He's got a Grey Cup MVP, a Grey Cup MVC as the most valuable Canadian. Obviously, that was with Winnipeg in 2019 and then helped them on that run in 2021. And he really loves playing at Mosaic Stadium as well. He's used to doing that. But what's most impressive to me is Harris cutting down the rehab time from a torn pectoral muscle in half. He had a PRP injection, which is similar to what Tiger Woods and Kobe Bryant have had during their career, to get back in less than three months on the field. He had 10 carries last week, 72 total offensive yards, and a touchdown in that East Final. And I think he's ready to carry the load. And you don't go out and sign a guy and make him the highest paid running back in the CFL if you're not going to use him, Timmy, in the biggest game of the year. But they have a little bit of a two-headed monster in that backfield, don't they? A little bit, A.J. Ouellette was able to fill in for Harris while he was sidelined with that torn peck and was fairly dynamic, especially for a young running back in this league. They're calling it thunder, thunder, and lightning, and lightning, and then more thunder and more lightning. It's a tandem that really does complement each other, and they're both content with sharing carries for the benefit of this team. But I expect Harris to out-touch Ouellette in the Grey Cup. All right, I'm going to bring up the D word. And listen, I don't think enough people have brought up the word defense when it comes to both of these teams. However, when it comes to Winnipeg, are we talking dynasty? Ooh, my man, we could be. There's only one other CFL team in the modern era that's had enough success to win three straight Grey Cups. That's the Edmonton football team, now known as the Edmonton Elks, of course. So if Winnipeg is able to win three straight and hoist that Grey Cup on Sunday, then yes, especially in this salary cap era, the Bombers are a dynasty. Tell me why they're not, Timmy. I, I can't really, and, and, I, and I have to get you to tell me something, and that is back in the day when I was working in the CFL, maybe a decade, decade and a half ago, people told me that there couldn't be a Canadian tailback. Uh, people told me that there couldn't be a Canadian head coach. Is this dynasty in whatever form, whether it's a three-peat or back-to-back for the Bombers, has this dispelled all of that nonsense? Throw in Nathan Rourke and Canadian quarterbacks. Are we at a point, finally, Justin Dunk, where we can throw all of that Canadians can't do this into the garbage?
Yes, man, it's about damn time, yeah. too. Brady Oliveira has been an absolute stud at running back. Yes, he learned from Harris for a couple of years there in Winnipeg, but he's now the bell cow back for Winnipeg. Michael Shea has two straight great cups as a Canadian head coach going for his third. No, oh, by the way, they have a Canadian general manager as well in Kyle Walters. And as you said, you throw in Rourke, and I think it shows you that as long as Canadians get an equal opportunity to Americans in this league, they can ball on the field and they can do great things as leaders off the field as well, just like O'Shea has done, setting the foundation, the culture, most importantly, for this Winnipeg team. One of the most ridiculous things that I had ever heard when I got into the CFL were the amount of Americans working in the CFL who didn't believe in the Canadians in the CFL. One of those Canadians you mentioned, Nathan Rourke, uh, we got to bring him up. I know you've been kind of uh, front and center on this, and we told people all year long that he was going to get NFL looks. When did those NFL looks come? Man, we've been telling people for time, Timmy. Yeah. Credit to your show. For from time, fam. On from time. He has... From time, baby. <laughs> He's got two NFL workouts coming up next week. He actually just touched down in Regina this afternoon to accept what I believe will be the most outstanding Canadian award. I know it's up for grabs, but it's going to be Rourke that wins it, okay? So he's here, but he's supremely focused on the NFL. Wants to take a legitimate shot at something he's won for a long time since he was a kid. So he's got those two workouts that start next week, and over two-thirds, Timmy, mm -hmm. of the NFL has shown interest in Rourke. So they're going to be patient in looking for the opportunity that they feel is best, but they might not know it until it actually presents itself. Is the ball frozen to your hand at this point? No way. <laughs> is that a game? game oh, is ball. that a game ball, Justin Dunk, that you got in your hand? It's a game ball. I won't say how it came about it, but it's mine, baby. <laughs> Uh, Justin, Doug, we always appreciate you. Stay warm, my friend. It's not supposed to be bad on Sunday. It's actually supposed to be like a balmy minus 11. Appreciate you, homie. You took, yeah, man, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> we'll enjoy the cold out here in Regina. Uh, there is Justin Dunk going hard. The quarterback, no gloves, no two. If I was out there, I would, there would be a balaclava, <laughs> without a doubt. All right, when we come back, we're heading to the rinks. Toronto, Tampa, and Winnipeg. 13 games on the ice. We'll tee it all. Anthony Stewart, coming up. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Team Dogs. Back here, final half hour. Too sweet to be sour right here. And Tim and friends, we're with you till 6.30 Eastern when Hockey Central takes over. David Amber, Elliot Friedman, and Anthony Stewart. In fact, Stewie will join me in just a few minutes with 13 games on tap in the National Hockey League tonight. We'll start in Toronto. The Devils, the Red Hot Devils, trying to extend their winning streak to 11 straight. Well, the Leafs looking to make it three in a row. You can see this one regionally on Sportsnet Ontario with more. Let's go live. Scotiabank Arena and Sean McKenzie. What's going on, Sean? Eh, not a whole lot, Tim. And I will say, though, if I tried to convince you last year that a Thursday night matchup between the Devils <laughs> and the Maple Leafs was going to be thrilling, it was going to be exciting, there was going to be so many storylines, well, that would make me a bad guy because I would have been lying to you. But this year, it's totally different. The Maple Leafs coming off a big win. And, of course, the New Jersey Devils, 10 straight wins looking to make it 11. They are fast. They are fun. They are young. 
they are a very interesting team to watch. And what's interesting is when you ask the Devils, what's the reason for their success? They say things like play fast, depth, be relentless on offense. It's kind of a lot what the Maple Leafs say. If you spend enough time around the Leafs, it's very similar to what their message is. So it will be intriguing to see how these two teams who want to play the same style, play the same way, will match up. And if the Leafs can play spoiler, uh, a bit of an interesting moment this morning. Matt Murray will get the start, so don't panic if you were on Twitter about six, seven hours ago and saw that he left the morning skate earlier. It was planned. He did his early work. He got off. Matt Murray, obviously not a huge fan of the morning skate, but he is healthy, good to go. Sam Sonoff uh, was in the, uh, Sam Sonoff, I should say, was in the starters net, but still not cleared. I won't back up here tonight, Tim. Uh, the contrasting styles or the similar styles will contrast tonight. Are we going to try and slow down the pace or are we going to try and quicken the pace if you talk to the two coaches? I'm confused. It's contrasting. It's similar. It's slowing down, speeding up. It's a lot going on, Tim. Here. My brain can't keep up with this right now. Um, I. That's what we – all kidding aside, we did have that debate in, in the media room about an hour ago saying – you have two teams that want to play fast and they want to be relentless on offense, but, you know, put your money on these two teams playing wide open and blowing the burns off of this thing. But that's not usually how it works out, is it? Usually yeah. when two teams want to impose their will in the same way, there's a lot of feeling out. There's a lot of chess playing, and you have two coaches that are going to try to get, you know, little piece, little piece, and kind of move their uh, move their thing across the board. So I wouldn't expect a wide open game, but... What do I know? Absolutely nothing, Tim. <laughs> uh, that's why we bring you on for in-depth analysis like that. No, it's really interesting because <laughs> they want to limit shots and they want to play with pace. We'll see what wins out when they actually hit the ice, and you can see it on Sports in Ontario. Shawnee, thanks for this, as always, my buddy. Tim, thank you. There is uh, Sean McKenzie in Toronto. The Flames are in Tampa as they start another lengthy road trip, first to six straight Away from the Saddle Dome, you can see this one also regionally, Sportsnet West. With more, let's go live. Tampa, Ryan Leslie on the road. Tim, great to be with you as always. And yes, welcome to Florida. A nice reprieve for uh, a lot of folks back home. Get out of the snow and get down here to the Sunshine State. But this matchup tonight, the old rematch of 04, if you will. Uh, but certainly this is a very different looking Tampa Bay Lightning team than we've seen in the last few years. John Cooper's got his work cut out for him. Lots of positives and still all-star caliber in his lineup. But he's got a lot of faces now that he's really kind of tweaking and, you know, talking to some of the players they say throughout this season, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a few times. But as for Calgary, you mentioned it. Uh, this is game number one of their uh, six-game road trip, the longest and arguably their toughest of the entire season. Uh, previous and going forward. So Daryl Sutter, who's got his team uh, back in the winning side of things, uh, two straight wins are looking to build upon this. You're going to look at the Vasilevsky and Markstrom matchup. And as far as uh, one little Tampa and maybe a, a local look, uh, Alberta boy, Brandon Hagel is, uh, what a story he is. He goes from Chicago and playing with the likes of Kane and Taves to now here he is on a line uh, with Kucherov and uh, Braden Point, the Calgary boy. He said, you know, we played against each other in Moose Jaw or against each other in the Western League. Uh, and you know what? He's just happy to be part of this uh, line that works. No matter where he goes, he's playing with all-star caliber. So Calgary, uh, worth keeping an eye on. It's uh, It's got to be Adam Rzichka, who is just playing on that top line, yeah. five points in his last four games, and he's really found a home. He said to me the other day, I just want to protect it. I don't want to let it go. In Daryl's uh, system, I always know where Elias Lindholm is, and he just continues to find me. So keep an eye on those guys, Tim. Thank you, Mr. Leslie. Thank you, Mr. Jones. And thank you to the truck for putting you up. Really appreciate it.
There is Ryan Wesley on a bit of a delay in Tampa. The Jets, meanwhile, back in action for the first time since Sunday. They've been rolling quite nicely. I thought he'd laugh at the Mr. Jones joke, but whatever. We were all singing it, weren't we? I lied. <laughs> They're a game back in there. Excuse me, a point back of the Stars for first in the division with more from Winnipeg. Special night. Sean Reynolds. Sean. Well, Tim, you could say it's retro night here in Winnipeg, not only because the Jets will be wearing their slick new reverse retro jerseys, but because the city of Winnipeg will be taking a walk down memory lane as the Jets honor former 1.0 players Teppo Newmanen and fellow Finn Timu Solani by raising their numbers to the rafters here in Canada Life Centre. Newmanen showed up in 1988 and was a mainstay on the Jets' blue line until the team left for Phoenix in 1996. And Solani, in retrospect, his time here in Winnipeg was fairly short, just parts of four seasons, but boy, did he make an impact in that time. Of course, setting the rookie scoring record with 76 goals in a 132-point campaign. Of course, this is all just the backdrop for an important game in which the Winnipeg Jets are trying to stay hot. They've got points in eight of their last nine games. They're taking on the Anaheim Ducks, who have yet to score a win in regulation time. Maybe that makes sense, because when Solani was asked who he's rooting for between his two main former teams, he said he can't decide between either team, so he's hoping this one is settled in a shootout. Tim. All right, thanks, Sean. I got something to say about that, but I'm going to have to save it for Stewie. Uh, the other Canadian team on the ice sees the Habs visiting the Jackets in Columbus. Canadians three-game winning streak snapped by the Devils on Tuesday. Jackets sit bottom of the Eastern Conference. Still no Mike Matheson for the Habs as his debut will have to wait. I was going to say, Mickey, and maybe I'll bring this up to Stewie as well. Yeah, yeah. It seems ridiculous that the Coyotes own the Jets' history, and yet former Jets are going up to the rafters in Winnipeg. And every time I bring this up, that they should own their own history, the stats should belong to the Jets. Right, yeah, People call yeah. me crazy. Yep. It's, is it not crazy that those guys' histories are in Arizona with the Coyotes where no one gives a bleep, and the fans who actually care about the history are going to fet them tonight in Winnipeg. Uh, speaking yeah. of former Thrashers... I was about to say, put the Thrashers jerseys <laughs> up in Winnipeg, I guess. Is yeah, that well, then doing? Anthony Stewart's jersey yeah. should go up, and he joins me now. Stewie, do you have any idea what... The- oh, look at that turn. <laughs> <laughs> like That felt like Chris Collinsworth on Monday Night Football. <laughs> I love it. Uh, am, am I talking junk here, or can the Jets just have their history back? Yeah, I'm not a big fan when they keep mixing up the history there with teams going back and forth. So I think for me, uh, I never played in Winnipeg, but I think I have the most money spent at the local Earls in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been there a couple times, but I have frequented back when I was a, a young lad, Mr. Stewart. Uh, so let, is I'll start there. Are the Winnipeg Jets the best team in Canada right now? I know they have the best record. That doesn't always denote the best team. <sighs> That's a tough, tough, tough uh, thing right now. They're playing some great, great hockey as of late, too. But, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Edmonton Oilers and what they're doing. And I know they're having some uh, goaltending controversies, as Jeff Merrick would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when it's all said and done, they're probably going to be one of the teams coming out of the West. And I think with the Calgary Flames, you know, how are they going to do on this road trip? I can think they can get back on track. But the numbers don't lie for the Winnipeg Jets right now, 9-4-1. and Hellebuck's playing some great, great hockey. The power play's click-clicking. Everyone's clicking. So I think for Winnipeg, they're probably one of the most most surprising.
surprising teams because the way that they finished last year, people weren't sure which way they were going to go. Are they going to rely too much on Hellebuck? Is the defense going to really show up? So they got some things clicking. But really, I want to say uh, great job by Wheeler and Shifley and the veteran core really now changing the narrative because everyone was out for them yeah. this year, but they're letting their play do the speaking, which is great for them. Yeah, without a doubt. It's been pretty seamless when it could have gone the exact opposite way in Winnipeg, and that spe- speaks to the depth of the character, I believe, and also Rick Bonus a little bit. All right, let's, let's talk about the game that you're working on tonight. That is the Leafs and the Devils. I think the marquee is pretty clear, Toronto and New Jersey. And as Sean said, who would have thunk a year ago that this would be the marquee matchup of the day? Um, how do you see this playing out? They both love to play with pace, and they both love to limit the opponent's shots. How do you see it working out? My prediction pain. Um, no, I, do. I, I don't know, but it, it's good to see that the New Jersey Devils play some great hockey because a lot of people had them written off, especially the fan base were yelling, fire Lindy at the beginning of the season, but it just shows now the swagger that this, flame, that this uh, sorry, New Jersey team is playing with Jesper Bratt, Hughes, you know, as he said, I'm a, we're on a heater right now, so don't ask us how we're doing, look at the numbers. So, what I like about it, a lot of these guys went through a lot of their growing pains. The team wasn't doing well the last couple of years. You know, they're questioning, should they send these guys back to the minors? Should they send them down to junior? They went through the growing pains when a lot of the narrative should be, you know, should you blow this up? Should you be a veteran uh, Latin team? But, again, you're looking at the goal differentials. You're looking at the shot differentials. This New Jersey team uh, is the real deal. Dougie Hamilton playing some great hockey. They're getting some great goaltending as well. So I think for the Leafs, uh, the one thing that they have to pay attention to is the details and not turn pucks over because they have some speedy guys that if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile and really create uh, some time and space. So with Matt Murray between the pipes tonight, they really have to find find a way to insulate him, or I can see it being a, a high-paced, run-and-gun type of game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, in, in four of their last five, granted the one was when Murray went between the pipes against the Penguins, they've allowed 30 shots or less on goal. I mean, that's what the Devils do really well. Yeah, and uh, I think they're at a plus 20 or 25 different differential with regards to uh, shot uh, shots in the game here. But what I really like about the Toronto Maple Leafs, they really lock down Pittsburgh in that third period where when you have a one-goal or two-goal lead, you're sort of sitting on the edge of your seat. So I think that shows a little bit of a maturation uh, in this group between uh, October and November. You're looking at the difference right now in their wins between October and November. They're playing some great, great hockey. But it's not just on the offensive end. They're paying attention to the details right now and you know, you're seeing players like Jamie Benn enter the lineup right now maybe he might be entering the Norris conversation I think it's a little bit too premature <laughs> for that but it's great to see that they're clicking right now because it's a lot of a uh, different tension and different narrative than it was a couple weeks uh, in Leafs Nation for sure yeah Jordy Ben I'll just correct it for those who are going to tweet in and say he we all know who he was talking about I don't think he thought that Jamie Ben was playing defense uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs I get I get mistaken for my brother all the time so I don't uh, <laughs> at David Amber if you have any issues <laughs> <laughs> David Amber if you got the issue all right so so let's hammer down on on um, this Devils team a little bit because I don't know if the average Canadian sports fan knows what's going on there um, Brat, unbelievable and Hughes really seems to be maturing I can't believe it sh- I'm not going to call it Matthews-esque but he's got a pretty damn good shot doesn't he 
He's got a really, really good release, and it's it, it's crazy. I think I'm getting old. I remember seeing him in the GTHL. It felt like it was four years ago, but it looks like that was probably eight years ago. He's got a really, really good release, and we talked about his interview. He just has that swagger. This is the face of the new National Hockey League. You know, they're young. they got confidence. They have that swagger. They're not afraid to wear their hat backwards, so it's good to see that. But Jesper Bratt, I, I really like fans to really pay attention to a player like that because he is one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League, and it's funny, uh, Chris Campoli with the NHLPA asked one of our hockey quality mentorship kids, who's your favorite player in the National Hockey League? And he actually said Jesper Bratt. So right. the young kids are paying attention to some of these players that are playing great hockey, and I think it's uh, I think it's a damn shame that a lot of people don't really know Jesper Bratt because you're going to be hearing that name for years to come. Yeah, the only reason I chuckle at the hat backwards is that only in the NHL would that be a big deal with a kid wearing his, <laughs> wearing his hat backwards. All right, before I let you go, I want to go back to last night and the Edler knee on knee on Connor McDavid. I suggested that there should be more here. Like, I can't believe that that's the same penalty as a puck over glass. What was your take on this? Well, to, to just sum it up or keep it simple, um, you know, the saying, that's a paddling. Yeah, that's a paddling. That's something <laughs> that you don't do. Hitting Connor McDavid, that's a paddling. And, again, I, I, Edler's sort of notorious for that. So whether it's dirty or not, it's unnecessary, especially against the best player in the league. You can find a way to take his time and space away. You know, trip him. You don't need to be going for the knees or lower body. So you don't like seeing the stars get hurt. Uh, and I, I think it's just whether or not, it's, it's teetering on dirty. I just think it's unnecessary. So I know Edler, he's not the fleetest of foot. He's got to find a way to slow him down. You can hook him. You can trip him. But just going for his lower half of the body, I think it's, it's, it's just unnecessary. So, you know, kudos to, you know, his teammates rallying around him. I saw Darnell Nurse try to get there. You know, for me... Um, you know, there were some top players that I was, uh, you know, trying to go after, but I knew I had to answer the bell if I hit them low, let alone at all, that I'd have to answer that bell. So I think that respect factor at this point of the year uh, in 2022 it has to be there a little bit better, a little bit more. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, but again, it's the stars in the game. You want to see them on the ice. You don't want to see them on the IR. But, it, but isn't that the answer to whether or not that was dirty that Darnell Nurse ran over there, not only engaged, but if they play again, I got a feeling that he'll have to answer the Like, isn't, isn't the enactment of the code almost the Morris code that you just did something dirty? Yeah, and, and you talk about if fighting's ever going to be out of the game, I don't think that's going to be the case because no. if you take it out, you're going to see more and more hits like that. So um, I still like fighting in the game, and you have to answer the bell because you know if you're going to go low on a guy, you have to answer the bell. It's going to make sure that I don't do it going forward. Yeah, and, and my point is that if, if he's not having a hearing, if it's just two minutes, if the game's not going to police itself, then the players will police the game, and I think that's what you saw at the that's end That's a paddling. That. That's a paddling. I appreciate you, my dude. Uh, always like talking hockey with you, and we'll do it again soon. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there is Anthony Stewart. He will be available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet Ontario as the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New Jersey Devils do battle. The Devils have won 10 straight hockey games, and that might be one of the topics that we have in game time. Time for one last break, but we will... Wrap things up before sending it to Hockey Central with a little game time. Mickey and McAuliffe return after this short commercial interlude. We always hope your game day starts right here on Tim and Friends, and it's another busy night on sports. Now, we've got three NHL games coming up at 7 Eastern time. Flyers visit the Bruins, who are a perfect 9-0 at home. You can see that one on Sportsnet East 
Pacific and Sportsnet 1 because regionally in Toronto, you can see the Devils and Leafs. Devils looking for an 11th straight win. Well, viewers in the Calgary region can see the Flames visit the Lightning on Sportsnet West. Later on tonight, Coyotes go the night Sportsnet 360 and some basketball Sportsnet 1 as perhaps Kawhi will be back. Mm. Pistons Clippers will explain. Data. Yes, indeed, it's game time, so let's get into the games that you will be watching tonight. Week 11 in the NFL kicks off with the Titans and Packers on Thursday Night Football. A win tonight would give the Packers the most all-time wins in NFL history. They're currently tied with the Bears with 786. Chicago's owned the outright lead since way back in 1921. Timmy, do you ever think that they'll get this back? Yes, without a doubt. I think that by next year, maybe, the Chicago Bears will be the better football team. I think that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are on their way down, though I have said that before, and they have rebounded, like last week. Uh, I think they get the win tonight, though it will be... Like, let's give the Titans some credit here. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. Like, how the hell do they keep winning football games no idea. with a starting quarterback? And I don't care who it is, whether it's Malik, Malik or Malik. Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're throwing for like 150. They're averaging like 150 yards passing a game, and yet they're at the top of their division. Like, it's unbelievable what they're doing right yeah. now. Seems like they've been doing that for a few years, too. Yes. How, how do they keep doing it? I don't know if they can do it in the postseason when it matters most and you start playing the good teams, but they keep racking up. With, even the Texans, everyone knew what the hell was going on. They were going <laughs> to run the ball, and Malik Willis threw for like, 55 yards in that game, <laughs> and Derrick Henry ran for 250. Yeah, yeah. Like, so give, I'm going to give a little bit of credit here, and I'm going to tell you right now, by the end of the next season, Chicago Bears will have that lead back. All-time wins, National Football League. Write it down, take a picture, send it to them. Timmy says it. All right. Yeah, freezing cold uh, takes. Let's, uh, speaking of freezing cold, they call Lambeau Field the frozen tundra, but Green Bay's got nothing. Nothing on Buffalo this week with the forecast calling for three to six feet of snow in western New York. The NFL actually, they three saw to six that. feet, not three inches. Six feet. 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 Yeah. Well, the NFL saw that, and they announced today that they're moving that Bill Browns game to Ford Field in Detroit. You disappointed that we're not going to get a snow game in Buffalo this weekend? Hell to the yes, yeah. I am disappointed. Yeah. Tell me the time that you flip the channel to a game where there is snow all over the field, and you say, I don't want to watch that game. In fact, this is probably one of the biggest pet peeves that I have with all of the dome stadiums and all of the big important games being played in southern states with fast track. You never get this. Yeah. I love it's turning on the Grey Cup on Sunday and seeing a little bit of snow trickling down. You feel like that's real important football. When you see your breath, when it's NFL films and they zoom in yeah. on Dick Butkus and you see his <laughs> breath coming out as he's getting ready at middle linebacker. That, my friends, is football. Leave the game in Buffalo. Play in the elements. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's the way it's really it was supposed it to be. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun to watch. Did you see what the actual, what the storm is going to look like this weekend? The model? Let's go to my computer and you can see it developing and it actually kind of looks like a Bills logo as it develops over it's Western New York. Rock. Yeah, the Doppler. <laughs> if, if I could, if I could stand in front of the green screen. I was going to say when you motion. first propped it up, 
It, it actually is a Bills logo, yeah. but I see how and then it develops into it develops a Bills into one, logo. Yeah. So with even, the, I mean, that's even, Great Lakes. That's even more more reason that they should have left it there. I mean, it seems like it was yeah. fate. I'm, sh- I'm sure the there's some there. logistical issues with three to six feet of snow. Like, what are they calling it? Like a snow. What was it, guys? It was uh, thunder snow. Thunder snow. Yeah, you thunder been snow. thunder snow. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a really bad movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> thunder snow. Yeah, something straight to DVD. Uh, <laughs> hey, Sean Reynolds mentioned it earlier. It should be a special night in Winnipeg, a city familiar with snow. Tamu Solani Teponumanum will be inducted into the Jets Hall of Fame this evening. Solani split the bulk of his career between the Jets and Ducks, so it's fitting that Anaheim is in town tonight. Earlier today. He was asked who he's rooting for. Oh, boy. That's a tough question. You know, I think, uh, I just hope it's going to be a great, uh, great game. Obviously, uh, both teams have a big, big part of uh, my success. And, uh, you know, uh, I hope it's going to go to overtime and a penalty shot because that's what I like. Cop out. This feels like a cop out. Cut or uncut? Not cheering for the team that's honoring you. <laughs> I think we got. I think we got your answer on <laughs> that one. I, I do agree with you. Like they're honoring you at this stadium yeah. for your time with the Jets. It feels like. Listen, Tamu, I understand. Uh, it was a little politicking. However, I think you went on the wrong side of the politics. I don't think anyone in Anaheim is going to get mad if you said, hey, well, they're honoring me here. So for this one, I'm cheering for the Jets. But every other one, my heart is completely divided. uh, There's a lot of links here, though. Not just Tamu Ducks, Jets. But I don't know if you know this, but when Tamu did the famous glove throw and shoot it down, you know who caught his glove? That's Dallas Eakins. Who comes in and gives him the hug on what is one of the, if not the most famous celebration in all of hockey. I don't think I've ever really noticed that. Well, no one would, but Dallas Eakins obviously played a little shortstop. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah, and he was pretty good at it. But yeah, I mean, if Solani said, I'm cheering for the the Jets tonight, I don't think Ducks fans are going to tar and feather the guy. Just let him. They're going to say, okay, enjoy the night. That's fine. Uh, hey, let's go to the Flames. They're in Tampa tonight as they open a six-game road trip, their longest of the season. Calgary winless on a three-game road trip last week before getting back on track with two straight wins at home. Timmy, do you expect their struggles away from the Saddle Dome to continue? No. And I have two words for you on the answer as to why they won't continue. Okay. Chris Tanev. Fair. Very fair. Do you know the numbers with Tanev in and out of the lineup? Tell me. With Tanev in the lineup, they are 7-3. and three. Without him, they are 0-3-2. The defense core has been banged up. This is kind of sort of tongue-in-cheek, but not really. They need help. Tanev has been that help. And by the way, game two of this road trip is in Florida. They'll need no motivation for that game whatsoever. Should be pretty fun against Kachuk on Saturday. Oh, without a doubt. Waiting for, right? Yeah, and I think that there is, by the end, maybe a little animosity between those left and Kachuk, who said, well, if Johnny's gone, then I'm out too. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if on Saturday night, that isn't a jacked-up Calgary team looking to play. Especially Jonathan Huberto. He wasn't happy that he was shipped out of town. No, not at all. All That does it for us, McAuliffe and Mickey Dunn. Hockey Central, though, coming up. Next, Amber Stewie and Free. Sounds like the law firm. We thank you for watching as we always do. 
Say we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Well, yeah. Mickey will. Come on.